Aladdin squeezes through a narrow opening into a cave filled with treasure. And he's stunned by the beauty that he finds in there. There's a huge chest of diamonds and there are rubies and precious stones and bullion. There are artworks and there are books. There are inventions and technology too. It's as though there's a whole world of riches hidden in this cave before Aladdin. And then he stumbles on an old tarnished lamp, disturbing a blue genie who comes up out of the lamp. And the genie says, Aladdin, I can grant you one wish. That is, that you may take one treasure from this cave. But there is a curse on anyone who takes more than one treasure. And Aladdin looks around. There are gleaming jewels and sparkling treasures. Which one will he choose? He knows he has to choose well. The temptation to take more than one diamond or one sapphire is overwhelming. He says to the genie, maybe I could just take a handful of gems. No, says the genie. I have all power and authority over everything in here and you are allowed to take but one treasure from the cave. Choose now and choose wisely. Do you think Aladdin would have known to take the genie in his bottle? Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24 call us to choose our treasure, but you can only have one. And at this point in the sermon today, I want you to know I had some really clever, creative ideas, all calculated to sneak up on us and gently woo us into considering Jesus' words here afresh. But you know, I've actually decided to discard those, and I thought it much better to just be straight up with you, up front. In the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus is describing in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says we can only have one treasure. And so my call to us all today is, choose wisely. We cannot serve both God and money. That's Jesus' call. That's his, his call to us. This is how you follow Jesus. This is what he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount and many other places as well. Choose your treasure wisely. We're well into our series, Blessed, The Ethics of Jesus for Complex Times. We do live in complex times, strange days indeed. But Jesus' ethics are not complicated. His ethic, the practical way of living as a Christian, is that we cannot serve both God and money. We choose one or the other. You have one as your goal or another as your goal, but you cannot have both. So choose just one treasure. I don't need to give you statistics about how wealthy we are here in Sydney. When I ask you to choose your treasure wisely, the premise reveals our incredible wealth because we actually have a choice. We are so wealthy we have a choice. Many people do not. We are very wealthy people and therefore greatly at risk 
of excluding ourselves from the kingdom of God because of our love for money. How do I know that the members of St Andrews love their money? I'm talking just about the members of St Andrews. How do I know that? We love our money because as a church we are far from generous. The giving statistics tell us that. It's an open secret. On average, we fail to be generous. So I want to set this right out in front of us very clearly at the front. In the kingdom of love, which Jesus rules, money is for serving others. That's what it's for. It's very poor treasure. It's just like manure. You know about manure, don't you? You gather it all up in one place and what have you got? A great big smelly pile of manure. But when you spread it around and you dig it into the soil, you grow some beautiful things. Well, that's about it for the sermon tonight. You've heard it. That's kind of it in miniature, and uh, you might like to just sit and, and, and ruminate on that. You can, you can think on that. Um, you might want to reflect on, on Matthew 6, 19 to 24. I'm just now going to show you from the text how a Christian would get to that point of thinking that way on the topic of money. So uh, here we are in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 20, first of all. Jesus, as you'll see, draws a very deliberate contrast between these two different treasures, the treasures of earth and the treasures of heaven. And uh, the first line in the parallel simply says, do not treasure up your treasure on earth, which is contrasted with, but treasure up your treasure in heaven. Now, it's a very bad wooden translation of the original, but that's pretty much what the Greek looks like. So we can see exactly what Jesus is talking about. Notice the emphasis on treasure. The treasures that we treasure. Everyone's got a treasure, right? Everyone has something that they keep secure, that they prize very highly, that they like to think about. You know, that they that they like to turn over in their mind just because it's fun in their in their idle moments. Uh, you've got one. It's your passion. It's what gets you out of bed early in the morning. Uh, it turns up in your internet search history. I reckon by now Facebook and Google have figured out what your passion is, what your treasure is, and they're spamming you with ads about that. Your treasure is the object of your heart's desire. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now, there's some very astute listeners here among us today, and uh, they have already built a defensive wall around their treasure. Okay, they think, look, we know where this talk is going, right? And I'm happy to put some things on the table, um, but I've built this wall, Jesus. And I'm willing to negotiate on some of the stuff. But there is nothing behind this wall that you are going to touch. I don't know what your treasure is, but I'm going to have a stab at guessing, okay? Here's a, here's a list of treasures that I think could be hiding behind a wall. I'm just going to call the first one things. Nice things. Your nice house, 
nice car, nice clothes. I'm not talking extravagant, I'm just saying nice things. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe you're not married, but you really, really wish you were. It's your ambition. Or maybe you are married and your spouse means everything to you. What about exciting experiences? Travel, having fun, that adrenaline rush from whatever it is in your experience. Maybe it's your family. Kids, grandchildren, you love them more than anything else. And more than that, they are the reason that you are not generous to anyone else, to others. You want them to have a great big juicy inheritance so they can afford a nice house in Roseville. What about your friendships? You may not be kind of a family person, but friends are where it's at for you. You love popularity, social life, whatever it be. Maybe it's your sexual behavior. That is off limits to God. Do everything else. Sorry, God, you're not touching my sexual behavior. What about your career ambitions? Success, power, influence. Maybe it's just that simple satisfaction of doing a good job and being recognized for that. Maybe it's security. I just want things to stay as they are. Don't, don't want to see change. I just want stability and security. Now, as I've gone through that little list of potential treasures, you probably have said, you know what, that doesn't really matter to me. That's, that's, that's not a problem. But I bet that there was one, maybe two on the list where you went, whoa, hang on a minute. Surely Jesus isn't talking about that. I mean, it just says in the text here, it just says money, right? Well, I've given you that list to test your heart. Does your reaction to my list betray your heart? Let me make it very clear. I'm not saying that all of those things that we just talked about then are necessarily bad or evil or horrible or sinful. Absolutely not. In fact, all of those things are good gifts from God. I'm just putting the suggestions out there to test your heart, to see where your treasure is. So where is your heart? Where are you storing up your treasure? You see, according to Jesus, there are only two places to store up your treasure. Some store treasures on earth, where moths and rats destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And there are other treasures which are stored in heaven, where those don't, things don't happen. Notice, by the way, that Jesus is, and, and we are now talking in the present tense, right now at this moment your treasure is either earthly or heavenly in nature. And the thing about treasures, and the reason that this is actually a heart issue that we're exploring tonight, is that human beings become what they worship. Two excellent books I want to refer to you on this matter. Greg Beale's landmark book, We Become What We Worship, uh, subtitled, I think, A Biblical Theology of Idolatry. Okay, Th simple thesis, what people revere, they resemble, either for their ruin or restoration. Fancy alliteration there. We either revere the world and are conformed to the patterns of this world, or we revere God and we are progressively conformed to his likeness. Uh, James K.A. Smith, not to be confused with our own James T. Smith, 
has recently published this one. You are what you love. Highly recommended. So what about you? Do you want to become like your stuff, moth-eaten and rust-ravaged, or do you want to become like God? It's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. What you love is what you become. In verses 22 and 23 in our passage tonight, Jesus highlights the incredible tragedy of choosing earthly things instead of God as your treasure. He says it in a sort of a little bit of a roundabout way, but we'll make sense of it. So verse 22, 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The key to understanding this saying is that your treasure is like your eye. And like all things you need to know, this Sunday school diagram explains it. Light comes through your eye to enlighten your whole body, your whole life, your, whole, your heart. Okay? And if the eye is good... And healthy and sound, the light comes in and, and fills your whole life. All is well. But if your eye, that is your treasure, if your treasure is unhealthy, if it is bad, instead of being filled with light, with good, your life has only darkness and emptiness. Your heart is full of junk. The wrong treasure blocks out the light. And that life that you have is actually very dark indeed. And it is a tragedy, says Jesus. Jesus is saying, choosing stuff instead of God as your treasure is a great tragedy. Let me give you a list of names. Uh, Michael Jaharis, Richard Rainwater, Max Michelle Superville, Alfred Taubman, Alfred Mann. Who are they? Anyone know? No, I thought not. They are members of an elite billionaires club. They are members of the Forbes magazine 2016 Dead Billionaires Club. I don't know any of them. I don't even know what kind of life they lived. But all I'm saying is that they are former billionaires, permanently. It happens to us all. It doesn't matter if you've got a billion dollars or not. And Jesus says it is a great tragedy... Even when your treasure is not stuff or, or, or money in the bank, if your treasure is something far more valuable like, like a friendship or a cause or a family, the great tragedy is you cannot hang on to any of these, even your children. You can't store them away and defend them from change because that's the way of everything in this world. Actually, your beautiful children may disappoint you one day, just in case you didn't know. Oh, you still love them, but there are no guarantees. There is nothing on this earth that will satisfy you permanently in any enduring way. But I have some very, very good news for you. In fact, this news is so good, it is wonderful. It is life-changing. God himself is the ultimate treasure. And he, he offers himself to us entirely. 
Uh, Jesus says in verse 24, you cannot serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The wonderful news built into this passage as part of the Sermon on the Mount is that God is our treasure and he offers himself to us as our heavenly father. He's the one who brings with him satisfaction and blessing and fulfillment and love and family and security and all of the other things on our potential list of treasures. Most importantly, though, he himself is our treasure. God's not a big blue genie in a bottle who exists to grant us three wishes. The most important thing that you need to know is that God is your treasure beyond compare. He will satisfy you completely, entirely, without any reservation. The key, of course, is to put God first in head of all of those other things. Make him your treasure. Let me tell you a true story. Our two parents, Fred and Cheryl, actually went to Haiti. And they were going to Haiti to pick up a child whom they had adopted. And uh, her name was Addie. She's five years old. Uh, Addie's parents had been killed in a car accident after a long process, as all these adoption processes are. She was ready to be adopted by the new family. And so the great day came, they went, they picked her up in Haiti. And uh, as uh, the two adults and uh, little five-year-old walk across the tarmac to the plane, the little orphan uh, girl reaches up her hands and just slips them into her parents' hands. And um, later on, uh, Fred and Cheryl say, you know, <laughs> that broke our hearts. That was the moment when we realised, wow, we have a daughter. Uh, that night, uh, well, their first night back at home, they sat down around a family meal table for, for dinner. And uh, Addie, by that time, had met her two teenage brothers, uh, older brothers. And uh, on the table was a, was a sort of a, a platter of chops and, and a bowl of potato mash and uh, some vegetables on some other dish. And uh, Addie's eyes are wide open, seeing all this food on a table. And as the meal progressed, as you expect, uh, everybody had, had their, their fill and the two older teenage boys helped themselves to seconds and then to thirds and finished off the potatoes. And as the food was disappearing very rapidly, Cheryl noticed the little girl, Addie, she started to become a little quiet and then sullen and downcast. She had never seen so much food on a table all her life, but probably had never seen it disappear so quickly either. And now it was pretty obvious something's wrong. Cheryl guessed what was wrong, and so she got up and, and uh, took Addie by the hand and took her over to the refrigerator. And she opened up the door and said, look in here. And there's some milk and there's some cheese and there's some leftover chicken and there's you know, all of the things that are in your average refrigerator. And then she closes the door and she says, come over here, Addie. And she shows her the, the bread drawer. I and mean, there's a, you know, some spare loaves of bread in there. Cheryl guessed that because Addie had grown up hungry, when food disappeared from the table, when it's gone, it's gone. And likely she'll go hungry for days. Somehow her new mum had figured it out 
what was troubling her and saw that Addie is anxious. She is concerned what's going to happen now after such an incredible feast. And then Cheryl takes her over to the pantry and opens up the pantry door and she shows her rows and rows of tin and more food than she's ever... She doesn't even know what half the food is. And then she goes over to the fruit bowl. Here's the fruit. We've got bananas and oranges and apples. There's a great big pineapple on the top. Addie needed to learn that in her new home there was an abundance of food. She would never go hungry again. There was no need to be anxious about where her next meal was going to come from. She had walked into a new reality. She'd walked into a new kingdom. But she'd learned something so important. The most important thing she had learned was that her greatest treasure was not a kitchen stocked with food. Her greatest treasure was her new parents who loved her and who always would. And for those of us who have realised that in this world we are like orphans, adrift with no prospect of lasting security, we have found in God the greatest treasure of all. More than just the provider of all of the things that we need, he loves us. He is our greatest treasure. He is our heavenly father. Just as the best thing Addie gained was some parents, not just a food supply, but parents. So we have come home to God. And it's our heavenly father that says, don't settle for less. Don't choose a treasure for yourself that's going to grow old and it's going to get rusty and it will fail you. There can be only one treasure that you choose for your heart. In the kingdom where Jesus rules, the kingdom of heaven as he calls it, there is abundance. There is wealth. There is true wealth in the kingdom. And we have been given the kingdom of God. Isn't our entry into the kingdom of God a gift? Freely given to us. We haven't just been given entry though. We've been given the content of the kingdom of God. But the treasure, the treasure is God himself. I think there's only really one question left to pose for us tonight, and it's this. Okay, what do I do with all the stuff that I've got? It's a good question to ask. And I know that among us here tonight, there is a great diversity of people. There are some who, um, for whatever reason, they have a lot of material wealth. There are some who have less. Um, maybe you came across your wealth in differing ways. But I know this, one great day, you and I, individually, will stand before the Lord Jesus and we will answer to him for what we've done with the wealth that we have. We will come to his throne and he'll ask us about his money. And he'll ask us about his education. And he'll ask us about his resources. And he'll ask us about his opportunities that he put at our disposal during our lifetime. And it's not my place to tell you what to do with those things. I'm just going to simply make some observations in closing. And uh, then we have opportunity for questions. 
three simple observations. First one, the more wealth under your control, the greater your responsibility for its use. Does that make sense? The more wealth under your control, logically, the greater responsibility that you have for its use, how you're going to use it, what you do with it. Second observation, there is unlimited opportunity for you to employ your wealth in the kingdom. There's no end of brilliant things you could use that wealth for. Knock yourself out. Third observation, the more wealth you retain, the greater the risk that you will be seduced by it. Let me pray for us and then we'll have questions. Our great God and Father, thank you that you are the most brilliant treasure that we could ever have. Thank you that you love us. And because you love us, you supply us with so many wonderful gifts. We are grateful to you. Please, will you give us such hearts that we would yearn for you, that we would desire you alone, that you might truly be our greatest treasure. And please, will you give us wisdom that we might make good choices about what to do with all of the resources you've put at our disposal. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.